We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is to hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. to another episode of What the World Needs More of. My name is Jarek Robbins. I am your host on this journey. And today we are joined by our special guest, Douglas Winslow Cooper. Sir, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Um, I, I read a piece of, of your work and what you'd written, and I, I hope we get to, to dive in and discuss some of it in today's uh, conversation. But we're I'm gonna, looking forward to it. We're going to start off with the question of the show. Douglas, what do you believe the world needs more of? Needs more love, and it needs more commitment. Mm. I love so, that. And, and my, how do you currently bring that into the world each day? Well, I've been married for the past 34 years to the woman I fell in love with in college, but we didn't get married back then. In fact, it was 20 years after we separated before we got married. She's from China. Her parents were dead set against an interracial marriage, and my parents thought it would be a bad risk for us. And I got in touch with her 19 years after I graduated, and my marriage was over, and I had reason to believe that hers was on the rocks. And I was passing through Chicago, and I said, uh, this may seem like a... A strange call, Tina, but I've never forgotten you. I'm still very much in love with you. I don't know whether that means anything will come of it. And she said to me, nothing has changed for me in 20 years. And that put her right back in the middle of the time when we were so deeply in love at Cornell. And I, I went home high as a kite, and we corresponded and talked on the phone. I got a better idea of her situation. She was under the thumb, essentially, of a Chinese professional, very talented man whose work was substantially more important to him than his family. And she told me that she had multiple sclerosis. I looked it up, and I found that, I don't know, 10 or 20 percent of these cases ends up in a wheelchair, or even as Tina has ended up now quadriplegic, on a ventilator with round-the-clock nursing at home. And the next morning, I, I asked her to marry me. And she said yes. And it took, took a year to sort that out. The younger son, Phil, came with her. He was two. The elder son, Ted, stayed with his father. He was nine. And we had 10 beautiful years of marriage with neither the interracial aspect nor the multiple sclerosis aspect posing a problem. And then she uh, had an attack that left her paraplegic. We did 10 years of paraplegia. I helped take care of her at home. We had home health 
nurses for much of the day while I was at work. Then I retired early at 58 when the younger son graduated from high school. We moved to our year-round vacation home, we call it, out here in Walden, New York. And we were having a lovely time. And four years into that, she nearly died. Mm -hmm. And she eventually spent 100 days in the Orange County Critical Care Unit. And they told me that it was home of the hospice. They didn't expect her to live more than a few months. By this point, she was quadriplegic on a ventilator, could barely speak. And I said, it's home. We're going to do everything we can to save her life. And we've had an extraordinary 14 years, still very much in love. She's still uh, quadriplegic on a ventilator, round-the-clock nursing care, uh, paid for primarily by IBM. And it's the uh, central story of my life, really. (laughs) This next question, I don't... I think I can always already hear your wow factor of what makes you unique and special in this world. But since it's a question in the show, I'm going to ask, what would you say is your wow factor? What makes you uniquely you? And and what are some of the life moments that help shape it? A half century of love to my college sweetheart and 34 years of our dealing with a very difficult situation with multiple sclerosis. And I think what shaped it was, because we were separated for 19 years, we knew how precious each was to the other. And when we had the opportunity to be together, we were not going to throw that away. And and I'm going to throw a side question in here. For younger people who are in the middle of building their careers and working so hard, what would your what would your insights being that you've you've lived a, a significant amount of life you you've been in love a significant portion of that life um, and it seems like you you've put your priorities straight what would you say to those young people and I hate to say this but usually it's men who who get so wound up in trying to build their career and their excuses well I'm doing this for love I'm doing this for my family what would you say to them? being that you've lived so long and you've seen so much and you, you've been so committed and so dedicated over these years. Any advice yeah. or tips for them? Yes, I think you do need to have a successful career. You don't want to leave your family uh, financially in jeopardy. So I think a certain amount of modest involvement in your career is good. Um, when I was in my late teens, I was not religious at that time, and so I needed to to have a a set of principles to guide me. And I was influenced by the um, existentialists. And they said, uh, look at your life as a a canvas, as a painting, and put on that canvas something that that you can be proud of, that is beautiful to you, and that you think is worth doing. And so I've really tried to do that, and I think they want to do that too. Uh, The joke goes along the lines of nobody's tombstone says, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. So (laughs) what you really want to do is find out what's important to you. And I think you have to start with yourself. You have to become the kind of person that you can admire. And then when we start going out in little concentric circles, you have to take care of your wife, your children, your friends, uh, your family, your community. And all of these have, to some degree, a legitimate claim on you. 
But most importantly, I think you want to live a life that you can be proud of. And what can you be proud of? Money? Well, it's good uh, to have paid the rent. Accomplishment? Yes, that's nice, too. But I think in the final analysis, how you've been with regard to the people closest to you is probably the most important thing and what you'll feel best about. When Tina and I were on the porch oh, a few years ago, we sat and we said, well, you know, if we were to die tomorrow, what do you think? And we both thought we would be pleased with what we had done. We would feel that life had been worth living. And that's coming from somebody who retired myself at 58 and from Tina who couldn't work after she was 40 or so. So work is um, important, but it's not the key. Oh, I think that's so that's such a good insight. Um, and it's it's something many of us young young stages of life, 30s, 20s, 40s, need to remember because it seems like nowadays we get marketed to and shown people who the more they have and the more they acquire and the more they, they make makes everything perfect seemingly in, in the TV. <laughs> but in reality, right. we learn right. more. Bright, shiny object. We understand that. But as, as I say, as we watch Tina and I in the afternoon, sometimes she'll be up out of bed in her wheelchair and often we're watching the Hallmark Channel because it's romances and we know it's got a happy ending and in the middle of it you'll get commercials for stuff and we'll say well stuff is not really the key to happiness it's true it's true so our next question what's a moment that made you feel incredibly humble over all these years there have been Lots of circumstances where I've seen people do things that I wish I could do as well as they do them. And so that indeed is humbling. But when I think about it, actually the humblest, the most humbling and the saddest was the breakup of my first marriage. Mm. My parents' marriage had been rocky, and I had always intended to have a good marriage, to have a successful marriage. And I waited until I was 29 and married a woman that I thought it would work out that way. And I was at uh, my office at college. I was an assistant professor at Harvard School of Public Health at that time, and I get a call from a marriage counselor that we'd seen a year or two before for a minor problem, but still a problem. But he called and said, your wife is here, and uh, she needs. we need to talk. And I said, well, what about it? She says, well, she's very upset because the affair that she's having with her flying instructor has just broken up. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite a phone call. <laughs> How about that? And I said to him, I said, well, I said, uh, she's going to have a bigger problem than that because I guess she thinks because she's rich and I'm not, although someday naturally I will share her riches. She's inheriting a substantial amount of money. I said, maybe they think that that's going to keep me married to her, but I have been very much in love with her, but I will not put up with this. And I said, furthermore, it's a losing proposition for me. If I put up with it, they will assume or she will assume that I'd put up with it again mm -hmm. and that I'm putting up with it to have her money. And uh, I won't, I won't do it. I won't have it. But I must say that um, the next year, 
I just went putting one foot in front of the other because I was terribly, terribly sad. I had been very much in love with this woman who I thought was, in some sense, the second coming of the woman that I had fallen in love with in college. Oh. And here's a question. I know that's many years back. Any tips for someone who might have recently gone through an experience like that? And maybe not the exact same experience, but you know, they came home and things didn't quite work out. And now they're a, a single young person in the world again. And they're, they're, you know, what, what's the best advice for them in that moment? I mean, okay, you, well, you made you, it. <laughs> you, you've got to absorb the blow. You've got to ask yourself what contribution, if any, you made to the bad outcome that you <laughs> achieved, let's say. And having looked at all of those things, you can say to yourself, well, um, it's like starting over. And I, I saw the, the film that you did on starting over. And it does give you a clean slate in some sense. You've lost some years that you've invested into that relationship, let's say, whether it's a, a personal relationship or business relationship. You've learned something from it. But now you've got a new start. Uh, you take what lessons you have. And at the time when the marriage, when my marriage broke up and I was terribly sad, I said to myself, well, the only way this could turn out happily is if someday I married my college sweetheart, although that seems impossible. And I did date around. And as I say, eventually I went through Chicago on business. And indeed, something better did turn out. I did eventually reconnect with Tina. And we did get married, and we have had, as I said, 34 very special years. So this can happen. Oh, what a magical moment to reunite like that. Yes. What, what was it like when, when you crossed paths with her again? When, did you know she was there? Were you anticipating it? Was it happenstance? Did you just happen to, to have the thought when you arrived? How did, how did that come about, and what did okay, that feel like? We'll, we'll give you a little back. So... I graduated um, from college from Cornell, where we had been in love, and after six months, I was drafted in the Army, and uh, couple, a year, a year and a half into the Army, uh, I got a note from Tina saying that she was marrying a tall Chinese professional, sort of boiled down to, somebody that was satisfactory to her and pleased her parents, and I was terribly, terribly sad. I saw her... When I got out of the Army, um, before, before that call, pardon me, I got that letter after. Uh, I, I, when I got out of the Army, I visited Tina at uh, Harvard, and so it was late 66. She was not engaged at that time. She was just getting a master's there. And she was lovely. She was everything that she had always been. And the situation was still the same. Uh, if I were to marry her, it would put her at odds with her family and put me at odds with mine. And we were still rather young. And so the hope was that she could have a successful marriage with a Chinese professional. In any event, so that was 66. I didn't see her again until after I asked her to marry me. And if you can imagine 17 years going by, and you say to yourself, well, she might be very different. She might look very different. What if she's gained 100 pounds? <laughs> and I said to myself, half-jokingly, I said, well, if she has, I'll tell myself, the real Tina is in there somewhere. Oh. 
<laughs> but as a matter of fact, I don't know, a month or two after I asked her to marry me, I was able to get out to Chicago, and I did meet her, and she was everything that I had ever hoped for. And at that point, she walked with small steps because she was already having a little bit of the multiple sclerosis problem, but she was just everything I wished for. And the, the nice thing, Jarek, is that a year later, when we got married, till this day, she was the same person after I married her that she was before I married her. And you know, so often in marriages, the temptation is to change after that, to use the security or the limitations, however you want to view it, of marriage, to produce a change. And it's almost like bait and switch. And you know, you see couples and you say, well, what did they see in each other? Well, what they saw in each other was the pre-marriage people, not the post-marriage people. And I think there's something wonderful and uh, having to do with character to be the person you're going to be, get married, and be that person that you indicated you were going to be. Mm, that's so special. It's so true. Um, right? Heard, I heard when we're first dating, we're the best liars you'll ever meet. You, you dress better than you'll ever dress. You you pretend, the ladies pretend like they like football and sports and all kinds of stuff. The guys say they love shopping. And uh, we, we, we song and dance we each other all the I... way through. <laughs> <laughs> the process. <laughs> we know that's a lie. If they if they say they love shopping, you can <laughs> you can forget about it. <laughs> it's funny. It's why they, why I'm they husband of... pods at the mall where you can put your husband in it and go shopping. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm reminded a little bit. My mother was uh, who died a couple of years, a few years ago at 98. Was a brilliant woman, and she at some point joined Mensa for the you know, top couple of percent of people in intelligence. And she, we were in a small town at that time, and she wanted to hold a, a Mensa meeting. And we had a Mensa meeting, and it was an interesting crew. Uh, IQ was no doubt well up there. Uh, social ability quotient, SQ, uh, a little questionable. But what the funny, one of the funny things happened is that they talked a little bit about job hunting and job searching. And one of the women said, well, she had just gone out for an interview to get a job at a construction company. And they they asked her, um, well, you know, what would you say that recommends you to us? And she said, I love cement. <laughs> <laughs> and that's up there with men who love shopping. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So don't bait and switch, guys and gals. I love that. Our next question is, out of all these years, what has been an awe-inspiring moment, a moment that left you maybe with your jaw on the ground, just totally inspired? I would have to say her telling me, Tina's telling me that nothing had changed for her in the way she felt in 20 years. And I'll tell you a little, a little bit. When she finally came from Chicago with the stuff of hers, and one of the things she brought with her was a powder, a Chanel Number no. 5 powder, a little more than a vial, a little shaker of it. And that was something that I had given to her as a birthday present 20 years before. And she had kept it for all those 20 years. And that just took my breath away. But I'll tell you another thing, Jarek, that took my breath away, too. The elder boy, Ted, was nine when this happened, 
and was propagandized by his dad, and as I, I understand he might be. But he reconciled with his mother when he went to college. He went to MIT, and he found Christ and, uh, in, at MIT, which you might think is a little bit surprising. But in any event, he became a very strong Christian at the time, and he forgave me, and he forgave his mother for the breakup of that marriage. And we now are 34 years into that marriage, and this Father's Day, for the first time in those 34 years, I got a Father's Day card from Ted, and it was a lovely Father's Day card, and that took my breath away. Oh, how special. And what yeah. an interesting place to find Christ. <laughs> Yes, yes, the stuff that it sends out to prospective freshmen. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Here's a question. What's your greatest fear? You know, in, in one sense, I fear, in some sense, not living up to my own standards. Mm. It's it's hard sometimes to try to, to be honest, uh, to tell the truth, uh, not to cheat people, not to take advantage of people, not to do all the things that that are bad things to do. And yet people do those bad things, and, and we all can be tempted at one time or another to do it. And I really, I fear letting myself down. Uh, lesser fears, I, I fear Tina's death, but I know that's going to happen. Uh, what else do I fear? Very little. I took a personality test. Uh, very nice. Uh, you've probably followed um, Jordan Peterson, and he's done some lovely things. And one of the things he does as a clinical psychologist is he has a, a website where people can take a personality test. And you answer 100 questions. They're not quite as bad as you prefer to spit on the Bible or spit on a flag, but they're questions that are supposed to uh, elucidate things about you. And it's your self-description. And there are four sort of positive general traits and one kind of negative trait. And on the positive traits, you know, I was average or above average, you know, it wasn't outstanding. But the one trait that was a negative trait, neuroticism, was the tendency to worry about things and to be afraid in the future of the future. And I scored in the one percentile, I was less worried than 99% of the people. And I jokingly said it's a little bit like Mad Magazine, who had a goofy-looking kid on the cover, Alfred E. Newman, and he would be saying, what, me worry? <laughs> and the funny sense, I'm the same way. I, I really don't worry about things. I don't dwell on the negative. I dwell on the positive. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We interviewed a couple episodes ago a young couple whose wife had gone through her second double lung transplant before the age of oh. 27. And, oh. and his, he said what the world needs more of is people living in the moment. Um, he was yeah. a young man who spent all his time focused on building his resume, doing volunteer service for the resume. Uh, <laughs> he said everything I did was for the resume. As good as it sounds, you know, I wasn't a good person. I was just working hard to look good on paper. And yeah. he said, after meeting this young lady and go getting married and going through this process with her, um, he said the realization, even though they're in their mid-20s, the realization that this could be, this breath could be the best breath she'll ever take again. Yep. 
And that yeah. realization allows him to stay very, very present in the moment. And he said he's so much happier as a human. Um, just, so there's a nice expression. The uh, the past is gone. The future hasn't gotten here. But the present is a present. That's true. It's the greatest gift. Yeah. The greatest gift. Now, this might be an odd question to throw in after talking about being in the moment. What are you excited about for your future? There's not a lot that I am excited about, frankly. It's not that I'm unhappy. It's that this is a calling. Um, if, if, you were, if you were in darkest Africa taking care of people in difficult straits, uh, you, know, you, you, would, you would have a sense of satisfaction that you're doing the right thing. Um, my sense is that I have a great satisfaction at being able to carry out my commitment, my obligation, my love to Tina to manage the nursing care that she has here and to have it work out as best we can to give her, you might say, a soft landing toward the end of her life, the best that I can do. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I work with people. I help them write their books and get them published. And so I enjoy the little victories that we have as people finally get published and recently uh, maybe get a little PR for their books. But I don't have anything big on the horizon. And uh, I would say I don't need anything big on the horizon. I'm doing what it is that I want to do. And every day is a gift. And my wife and I consider ourselves to be two lucky people. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's a rare moment for people to finally reach that centerpiece where they're so balanced in the present moment that they're very content. And if today was the last day, they're happy to go. And if tomorrow makes it, hey, it feels like borrowed time. And what what an opportunity and beautiful moment to be able to live another day. Well said. Well said. Powerful place to live from. Now, we're going to switch gears. You mentioned a little bit about what you're focused on, but this next section is three questions. We call it nuts and bolts, the tangible, tactical, practical kind of stuff that someone could listen and immediately apply to their life or situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first question here is, what do you currently focus the majority of your thoughts and time and life on each day as of right now? Okay. The most important is my wife's care, and I'm checking on that frequently. So that's number one. The second is to take care of myself. I have to be here. I have to be healthy, alert, and well. And so I do take care of myself, whether it's uh, walking quite a bit with our dog, exercising every other day, uh, being careful about my weight and my diet. Okay, And then we start going out in, as I say, concentric circles. I care about the staff. I care about our families. Uh, I have a bit of involvement in the community, and uh, at that level, it kind of peters out. I'm not doing much on the state or national scale, and the United Nations has not heard from me. <laughs> That's okay. I think you're you're doing a lot <laughs> taking care of the one you love, which is a beautiful, beautiful gift to her and you, and the, Thank and you. the staff and the family. Now, here's Thank a question. You. In this focus and in this daily practice of keeping yourself at your best and taking care of her and and, and watching over the the community around you. Uh, What would you say is the key to your success in all that? I do like to be organized. Um, I can handle a bit of disorganization. I'm not not, uh, completely obsessive about it. But what I like to do is I have a year-long calendar, and on the calendar I put the appointments that I've got there and an occasional goal 
for something down there. And so every, you know, each of these days I have some idea of whether there's somebody I have to meet or something I have to do. Then I have a notebook, a little uh, thing that's uh, two and three inches by five inches, spiral little notebook that I can hold in my hand. And every day I have a list of the things I'm going to do. Today is uh, Thursday, the 6th of September, and it says exercise hyphen 53. Well, 53 is uh, the number of repetitions I'm going to be doing of some of my exercises. I took a, a hint from Jordan Peterson, who said, be a little bit better you every day. Uh, a long time ago, Kuei said every day in every way I get better and better. And so one of the things I did was, well, what could I what could I do that would improve a little bit every day? And I said, I can raise the number of repetitions <laughs> that I'm doing for my sit-ups and my push-ups <laughs> and my other exercises uh, and raise them by one every other day. And so that's what I've done. So that's exercise 53, and I've already done that, so I could check that off. Then it's Robin's podcast, and that's there. And I said love and commitment. And at 1 o'clock, I have a phone call to make with a woman in Maui, Hawaii, who has finished and published a book with me called uh, Pain Free. Uh, her voice helps people be free of pain. She's a, uh, oh, she works to help people overcome pain and fear by the sounds that she makes. And then at seven, I've got Toastmasters. And meanwhile, I've got a list of little things to do. So these daily things where I have all the details makes a great deal of difference to me. Once I've written it down, I'm pretty sure it's going to get done, and I don't have to worry that I'm going to forget it. Hmm. I love that, having a plan each day, organizing it and, and making sure that you follow through with it. And it, it gives you something to look forward to, gives you something to feel proud of, gives you something to, to be part of each day. I love that. Love Just that. so. And we have our final question of the show. What's one actionable tip to help others achieve or experience the kind of success that you've had over your life for theirs? One tip. I think what I find is that being grateful for everything you've got, the people who are going to listen to the podcast are like me, uh, North America, 21st century, uh, probably in reasonably good health, probably uh, having a significant talent that they can use. And all of us are extremely lucky. And we ought to be grateful for that, whether uh, whatever you believe, whether you think it's nature or God, uh, you ought to be grateful for it and try to make the best of it. Try to enjoy it and try to, to use it to the essentially to the best of your abilities. So I would say uh, be grateful every day. I love that. I love that. What a great tip to end on. Now, if it's okay, I would love to gather the links to to your writing and your books and your website and put them in the show notes here so that everyone listening, if they'd like to know more about you or get a copy of your, your writings, they can click on those links. They can head on over and, and buy a copy themselves and learn more about what you've done and, and you and your wife's story and everything else that you're up to. Uh, if that'd be That's okay, wonderful. We'll make sure I, to I, make, I greatly appreciate that. We'll include all those links in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to know more, please go to the show notes, click those links and Head on over to learn more about Douglas and everything he's developed and created and, and everything that he's up to right now. 
Um, Douglas, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I have a page and a half of notes over here, uh, things I'm going to go share with my wife right now, and hopefully it'll help us refocus on the things that really matter and bring a little bit more love and light into our life. It's, it's been a real pleasure, Jarek, and, and I must say my hat's off to you. It's tough to follow in the footsteps of a famous father, and it looks like you're doing it with class. Oh, well, thank you, sir. I, I, have, <laughs> I have a good inspiration in the bloodline here, so I, I look I bet you him. do. Not only because he's taller, but also he's a good man, and he's someone worth looking up to, so thank you. Well, for everyone who's tuning in, uh, if you loved what you hear, heard here today, make sure to share it. We believe sharing is caring. We love caring people, so share it with someone you care about, family member, a friend, someone who needs to hear this. Uh, and if you wouldn't mind, click subscribe and, and make sure to subscribe to the show because we'll have great episodes coming out three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, I look forward to seeing you all next episode. 